I'm Dr. Greg Winteregg, CEO of the Private Dentist Alliance. I want to talk to all of you students out there today who are wondering what your future is going to be like as a career in dentistry, as an assistant, as a hygienist, as a dentist, where is this profession going with the rapid increase of the DSO movement? I'm here to tell you the PDA is going to help you and I want you to become a member today. It is free. Now, why should you become a member? You're gonna get weekly video updates from me and you're gonna get regular updates of our newsletters from the Alliance on exactly what is happening and how we are going to help preserve and protect the private practice of dentistry. Now, to me, the most important advantage is you are going to get access to our job board. What is that? Our private practicing members all have access to our PDA job board, which means if they have an opening in their private practice of assistant, hygienist, doctor, front office staff, they're going to be able to post it. And you're gonna be able to check up regularly. And as our membership grows, we're gonna be covering larger and larger territories across the United States. If you are looking for a job in any position in the office of a private practice, you need to become a student member today. It is free. Go to www.privatedental.org and become a student member today. You're gonna to love your benefits. Do it now. It's your boy Matt Havis back at it with the Dental Student Advisor Podcast. Today we have a super, super cool interview for you. We have Dr. Dennis Rebello. He's a professor, he's an author, and he has created the Peak Storytelling Model. He uses this to help you tell your story to make you the most efficient and the best at becoming yourself and truly embodying who you are based off of your innate character qualities and your characteristics. Use those things, create your story, and become successful using it by attracting the people and forming the relationships that you want in order to become successful in life. Truly awesome interview, one of my favorites. I, I really enjoyed hearing about it, and he relates it to dentistry, how you can embody it, how you can become a successful practice owner, how you can use it for marketing, everything. How you can just use this model and what he preaches and what he's created in order to become successful within your craft. It applies to all fields, all realms of life. You could even do it in your personal relationships, romantic relationships, everything. So as always, follow us on Instagram at dental.student.vibes. Make sure you give us a like, comment, review. Let us know how we're doing and what we could do better for you guys. If you have anyone that you guys want us to check out and interview, send us a DM. We love reading them. But as always, just check out this interview. Shoot Dr. Dennis Rebello a message if you have any other questions. Check out his book. And as always, bye bye. Welcome back to another episode of the Dental Student Vibes podcast. I'm Seth, this is Matt, and today we have a very special guest, Dr. Dennis Rebello. Dr. Rebello is a professor, speaker, and career coach. He is the creator of the Peak Storytelling Model, his research-based method for crafting the narrative of who you are and what drives you and why, utilized by former professional athletes turned nonprofit leaders, as well as entrepreneurs, CEOs, guidance professionals, and advisors throughout the world. Dr. Rebello, former president of the Alex and Ani University and co-founder of the Sports Mind Institute, recently received the 2020 Thomas J. Carroll Award for Teaching Excellence at Roger Williams University. He currently resides in Rhode Island. And Dr. Rebello, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing well, Seth. How are you? Hey, Matt, how you doing there? I'm doing well, how are you doing? Fantastic. 
So Dr. Rabello has an awesome new book coming out. Uh, it's called Story Like You Mean It. So he's got it. For those of you watching, he's got the book. I love the cover, by the way. He's, it's like a Superman guy on the mm -hmm. front with a cape. Uh, Story Like You Mean It, mean it how to build and use your personal narrative to illustrate who you really are. So Dr. Rabello, let's just jump right into it. What uh, started get you, what, what got you rolling to create this book? Yeah, so probably my own life a little bit, right? If I go way back. Uh, but if I go more recently, watching people struggle with telling their story. I mean, let's face it, Seth, everyone has to answer the question, whether it's a question or just an implicit prompt tell me about yourself, right? You know, you're going to go apply to dental school. You're going to get your first dental job. You're not going to open up a practice. that's fully funded and highly capitalized, but with an investment partner, right? So even if you are, you have to catch that partner's attention and that partner has to believe in you. Your value and worth has to be brought to light. And simply saying you're passionate about dentistry and flipping GPA points their way is not an animated version of the character that they're going to experience once they welcome you in as a partner or, or as a, an employee so or as a student so telling your story is really critical that's the short answer tell me how long you want to go with the answer <laughs> so dr rabello first of all one of the concepts that you introduce in this book is story pathing mm -hmm. so can you explain to us what story pathing is yeah absolutely so story pathing is you know i just turned it into a verb and that is that you know in our lives we actively story, story is a verb and story pathing presumes some intentionality. You know, I've, I've had the pleasure of, of showing the system and teaching and coaching folks who lead pharma, who are really top leaders at, you know, life sciences and pharma companies, um, NFL guys who lead uh, nonprofit initiatives. Um, I've run retreats for folks. I've obviously in the Sports Mind Institute, I met a lot of really cool people that were sports folks. And they always have this sort of notion that, you know, they're living a storied life. They have a little bit more of a sense of it when you're in sports now it's a, or when you're a leader. But everybody does it. You know, you're a 10 or 13-year-old kid. You're a 6, a 7, a 5-year-old. You know that you're, you're storying automatically like a verb. You have a storytelling muscle. It just goes latent like any muscle that you don't use. You know, what I just did was I created the peak storytelling methodology that allows you to story path the verb, right, with versus just talk to talk, right, or just share to share or show up to throw up, right, as it were, mm -hmm. because I, I saw that I'm a research guy, I live in the real world and the university, I saw that there was an opportunity to take my private practice in my academic research, and fuse it to help executives first, because they were paying my, my hire fee back in the day, right, and still... <laughs> Um, but also students, right, to democratize, to democratize the methodology. So you didn't throw every lived experience in. Look, Seth, when, if I met you and I said, tell me about yourself, what, what might you say? So, you know, I've really thought about this and I thought mm -hmm. about like what you said. So instead of just saying, you know, I'm going to be a dentist, I'm a dentist, something like that. I might say, I create beautiful smiles, yeah. something like that. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So that might be an outcome of your experiences. So your gut instinct is totally on board with, creating a little bit of a doggy head tilt for the listener, right? Great, beautiful smiles. It tells me a little bit about your motivation, but you probably had some things that happened in your own life. And I know that this isn't a scripted exchange, which makes it more fun for me. So mm -hmm. I'm, are you okay if I ask you a couple of oh, questions? Yeah, All right. So this, the book presents a few different types of stories. 
And the presumption is if you're looking at a triangle, just like Maslow's hierarchy, which was influenced by humanistic psychology or vice versa, so is this model. And the, the, the reality is as a human being, you, you, land, you land in life, you land in life by yourself and you have to overcome some obstacle. It might be standing up for a bully. It might to a bully. It might be uh, adapting to a new environment, right? Whatever it is. So that's a hero story. I'll define these quickly, and then I'll ask you the questions that I promised to ask you that you consented to. That's a hero story. The second step is that you're with others, just like the two of you are together doing this podcast with me, to create an outcome. So those are collaborative stories. They help you belong, not just belong passively, but to belong deeply, to actually create an outcome with another or others. And the next type of story is the top of the triangle. That's a virtuous story. That's probably connected to the collaborative story where you sort of were doing some sort of project, school project, maybe extracurricular project, passion project. And you said, I really love this kind of work, right? It would be immoral for me not to do this, not to create, in your case, beautiful smiles when the technology's there and the market's there. But there's something underlying that that's even stronger. When you connect those three stories together, that, those are the ingredients of a peak story. So back to you, Seth. Give me something maybe zero to 13-ish in your life that was a self-event connection because that's those story types I talked about are, are just tags of types of stories that are re related to what we call blue dots, significant formative experiences in your life. You don't have to go super personal here. This is not you know yeah. existential psychotherapy, but it's about storytelling, right? You got to go back to go forward. Give me something zero to 13 years in your life that was powerful. Um, so, you know, I'm thinking of how it would relate to eventually getting to the point. No, 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 no. Don't do that. No, 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 no. Don't do that. It's too much work for you. You're supposed, I'm supposed to do the work. You give me something just, it does not have to be in the lane of dentistry. Okay. Right. Is that where you were going? I'll, okay. I'll, I'll throw you a bone right here. So a anything. Yeah. So I was in Boy Scouts. Uh, growing up and that is where I put a lot of my time and so I spent a lot of time doing philanthropy community service all that sort of stuff eventually I reached uh, Eagle Scout now not many people do that correct right okay what's the percentage of people that do that I think it's like one percent or 0.5 percent yeah it's, all, all it's, Boy Scouts reach it or something like that yeah that's a very low percentage yeah okay all right why is that takes time it's difficult it's not always super fun but it's like you know there, there's steps that you have to take and it's a long process okay great so do you remember one part of being a boy scout where you were on route to eagle scout that was particular do you have a project that you did for eagle scout that was your project okay tell me give me just a quick 30 second 45 so, second so the project was uh for an underserved area i, I created a uh i fixed all the um i guess handicap it's kind of like a very detailed project, but basically I made it uh, handicap accessible. Okay. So Great. it was it was improving handicap accessibility. And you did that predominantly under your own motivation. Yes. Why'd you do that? Um, well, you know, I, I experienced, you know, I, I had uh, relatives, you know, who were handicapped and I was able to see, you know, people struggling um, with handicap accessibility. I guess, you know, here's, here's another one. This, wow, this is kind of connecting it for me. My dad uh, is a contractor and he does work with the VA and he does, he, and this is before he even got into this. Um, he does work and creates like handicap accessible homes for veterans and that okay. sort of thing. But that, that came way after I 
did the Eagle Scout project. Oh, did you ever work with your dad in those projects? Oh, yeah. Wait, after Eagle Scouts? Yeah, since I was like six years old, I've been doing construction with my dad. Okay. So Eagle Scouts, just so people people who don't know Boy Scouts, when does that happen usually when you become an Eagle Scout and do your project? Um, it's like I'm, I'm like uh, 14 to 18 is when most, most yeah. people do it. And working with dad, you did that in your 20s? Um, or 18? Oh, my entire life. My entire okay. Life. Okay. Do you ever remember something you did? Well, you just gave me an example. Now, why dental school? So dental school is, I guess I grew up, philanthropy was like a huge part of my life, right? Um, my mom is a nurse, and so she's always pushing me to go towards healthcare. Um, and then, you know, I just had some really, really good experiences in dentistry. Give me one. Um, so my one of the biggest ones that made me say, yes, let's go to dental school was I went to a, um, it was called a um, Molar Express. It was a county health dental clinic. And there's this little kid in a Spider-Man costume, like six years old. And this is in a real rural area in, at Florida State University, um, underserved area. And he lays back in the dental chair and he opens his mouth. It's green. There's pus coming out. Terrible situation. But I was like, you know what? Like we can, we can help this child right here, right now, get him out of pain. And like he, he could have died with the, with the amount of infection that he had. And we, we really like turned his situation around. I was like, I want to be a part of that. I mean, it's striking me. It's kind of an emotional thing to hear you recount it. I yeah. can't imagine what it was like to see this young kid. How old was the kid? He was, I don't know, six or seven. He's like three and a half feet tall. I don't know. Oh my gosh. So Okay. So now look, you've lived a life with lots of experiences. We call these dots, blue dots in the book. And you want to create beautiful smiles. But what I'm more interested in is what are the experiences that led you there? Because that's where your value and worth are, right? So now if I said, okay, put this all in order in a story, this is very difficult to do. I mean, like I, I said, this is not supposed to be existential psychotherapy, but kind of feels like it because you're going through life moments. It's okay, right? It's a safe place, right? We're on a podcast, right? It's live almost. But what I want to do is be able to help people create structure to these stories, right? Because if I look at the dots, there are nine dots that we go through in the book that you unpack. You just gave me three. I'm going to synthesize a story. I'm going to make some presumptions here. And I'm just going to do this live. Okay. Awesome. So, if it, okay. So it's just easier. I, like I said, I want to put the pressure on me. Uh, it's, it's, and then folks can say, oh, wow, that's so if you were to just introduce yourself and said, Hey, uh, Dr. Dennis, you know, I want to create beautiful smiles. That's very interesting. And it does get my attention, but it doesn't tell me why it doesn't tell me the skills. It doesn't tell me your life journey. Why you, I look at you, you're like a weightlifting guy. You're in great shape. The two of you look like, like, uh, like you, you should be a model somewhere. Right. And, you know, and, and so that's good, right. Cause, cause you know, you're, you're good people to look at, but it also means that people might think, well, you had it easy. You never worked a day in your life. You don't have compassion and empathy because they think of the traditional, right? That's called a mislice of how people think of people who are big, strong, and, and, and you know, put together well, squared away as we'd call it. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna be you, you say, hey, hey, you know, um, you know, so tell me about yourself, why, why dentistry? And then I'll be you. So you be Dr. Dennis and I'll be you. Okay. Uh, hey, Seth here, you good, good to see you, Dr. Dennis. You look stronger. You look like you gained a few muscle pounds there. What's yeah, going you know, on? The yeah. 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 So <laughs> right on, man. So, I love it. Let, let's roll with it. <laughs> yeah. So Seth, tell me uh, why dentistry? Well, you know, it, it, I guess I've been training for it long before I realized. 
Okay. And and how was that? What brought you to that point? Well, well, do, do you know, have you ever done Boy Scouts or do you know anything about Boy Scouts? Uh, a little bit. Tell me about. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I did Boy Scouts and um, I actually did it for a long time. And one of the things that I realized in doing Boy Scouts is that once you get to an Eagle Scout, a lot of people drop off, right? They sort of disappear. There's no more like popcorn, fun and games and free cookies with the local dads. You actually have to do some work. And I actually, I think that's where I dug into understanding what society needs. Uh, my big project, by the way, uh, Dr. G, was to uh, create a handicap accessible space for folks. And it's something that I had to author all on my own, which, you know, when you're in that 14 to 18 year old age bracket, it's kind of a big project and you had to stick to it. In fact, I, I learned later on that like half of 1% of folks tap out of, to use a jujitsu metaphor, right? To tap uh, <laughs> tap out of uh, actually doing Eagle Scout, but it's that systematic approach and staying in the game that, that really helped me. And I realized that that actually came from mom and dad. My, my mom's a nurse, so she's always been a caregiver. And my dad did caregiving through construction, creating veteran accessible homes. And so I guess as I reflected on my own sort of what dent am I gonna leave? All of that training helped me, but what really helped me was a three and a half foot tall uh, Spider-Man, Superman combo character I met down in FSU. And this young man was just probably about six and a half years old. And we were doing something for underserved populations, right? And you can see that theme in my life, Dr. D. And I got to tell you, when he opened his mouth, I, it, like it, it blew me away because I had to step back and really take a look in and all I saw was green all over his teeth and all types of like uh, infection, really just pouring out. You know, kids can die with this type of severe infection in their mouths. And so I just I dove in, um, you know, it had to be painful, um, but what's more painful would be not doing something. So at that point, that was a bit of a pivotal shift. And I said, I'm all in. Right. I mean, dentistry is the game. And it's not just for the pretty smile, although that's nice. It's for the process behind the pretty smile. It's the same process that I didn't know I was being trained to, to understand as an Eagle Scout. And it's probably the same process my dad collaborated with me in understanding uh, in construction. So we construct beautiful smiles, but with a deep motivation to preserve a pe person's uh, sense of uh, honor. And whether they're a superhero or an older elderly person in the community or a young professional. So that's why dentistry for me. Wow. I'm, I'm speechless right now. I think you might be a better set than set himself. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh that was incredible. That was incredible. Well, I don't even know what to say. Like that was <laughs> that was that was and so you so this is what you're teaching through the book. That is that, that that's it, man. That's it. I mean, the best thing that I can do is just to do it, right? Like I can talk about the book, I can say this is the structure, here's how it came to be. I can say there are you know, we face Facebook more than people face to face, like my friend uh, Marshall Soulful Jones says in his poem, Touchscreen. I can say all this stuff, but really I got to do it for people to go, whoa. Can, and now I, now I didn't know anything about your life. And actually, I feel better about who I'm talking to because you gave me those lived experiences. So being you in the role play simulation actually makes me feel like I understand you more. Like, you know, and it reframes you actually, right? As no, you know, it's great to be, you know, clean cut and tucked away and orderly, 
especially if you're going to work in people's mouths and dental hygiene, uh, you know, and things of that sort. But what's more important is that you have this deeply rooted in-service orientation that we have to get to to understand your conviction, right? To really differentiate you if you're going for dollars or a job or to school so that you get in, get the money or the partnership opportunity, whatever it is. And that's the value and worth. And everybody has a unique story path away away there. And the book just gives it, uh, folks the reasons and the, the understanding and also exercises at the end of the chapter to do what I just did in our exchange, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, that, that I'm still that blown away by that. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's an interview. Where, that's you know, there you go. <laughs> so that's the book, you know, what can I say, you know? That was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, it's, you know, and I do these reps all day, right? It's, it's no different than, than someone in your capacity who has been doing the work you do and you just, you, you just identify things that nobody understands. You know, I've been studying the structure of story, how to layer it. So the first story was a hero story. It was you overcoming the obstacle of, 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 of just witnessing people struggle and be in pain as, as, as individuals who had disabilities. That was, that was all on your own. It was your project. You owned it. The collaborative experience was doing something with others, taking that same, really it's a, a, a strand, a fiber, it's a theme and a thread and connecting it through the collaborative moments with your dad. So you don't just, you know, for somebody to like hear those parts, they start to really respect your story, Seth. And, you know, I have to say, I was, you know, I was excited as you were answering the questions because I was like, oh, I'm gonna synthesize something special right here because you have such good content, you know, you really have great content, Seth. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. So I mean, I want you to be my dentist. Who met next? Who met next? (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you know, when I work with like executives, right? It's it's all it's it's you know, it's this you know, really assembly of the story that really gets to be a lot of fun. And when you get to know the book, you 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 know, then you keep living your life. So you're going to go live your life, and more things will happen to you. But this story that we just fashioned together, we just created, and I performed on your behalf. That story can be used over and over and over again because it's who you are. You pick the moments. You understand how important they are. You understand that a lot of this stuff was also in the field, right? Like you did things like it wasn't locked in a like rigid environment. You're out there in the world. So there's something to be said for your story that you're a little bit of this like, you know, almost like field dentist guy, like a Navy SEALy sort of land on the scene and fix the thing and do what's right. You know, there's an integrity driven fiber through it too. And so as you consider the story and, you know, even listen to the podcast yourself as the producer of it and host, I think it'll be really fun because you'll be able to see how the story gets fashioned into different, different audiences, different ways. And we call, I call it feeding it in, in the book. I say, you got to feed it in differently to different people and places. Sometimes I might, you know, turn the burners up on one part of the story and talk about the the kid who was a superhero, right? And mm-hmm. and I might start there, and then I might jump back to the well. Look at it before I get to that. I have to say, and then I jump back to the old story of of being an Eagle Scout. It really started back as an Eagle Scout. Now remember, a story in this case is a narrative, and a narrative is a story over time. And if it's narrative identity, which is really what we're doing here, we're doing narrative identity work. It's your personal story over time, mm-hmm. and no, and right, and notice the first two dots had nothing to do with dentistry. Right. They had nothing to do with dentistry, but they told me everything about the character of who you are. Right. Everything, because who you are crosses the role of friend, 
family member, recreational sort of activity that you might do, whatever it is. Um, it, what you, you know, spiritual or being out in nature. So, you know, this is, allows somebody to feel more settled. Typically the impact is once people crack the code of their story and the reviews on Amazon are wild. I mean, people are using it who are professors who do public speaking. Um, we have a, stu a student, Hannah Ung, who is from originally from Cambodia, but uh, landed in Providence and now is at Northeastern. She earned a $20,000 scholarship per year, wow. un unrestricted. Wow. I mean, like, so she dropped this uh, like line to me and said, hey, doc, you know, I got a scholarship. I told my story to this foundation, Rhode Island Foundation, and uh, they gave me $20,000. I was like, oh, really, Hannah? Yeah, that's great. Like, why don't you tell the class? And, you know, and she, she said, well, per year. I'm like, that's 80. She said, yeah, anywhere I want to go. I said, that's unrestricted, you know, like, wow. oh, like, so your story, not only does it make you feel good and you, you're more confident, but you know, it can give you, give you a chance to make money or get into the school that you want to go into. And, you know, Hannah was able to go to Portugal and she went to three different countries uh, as part of travel abroad work in her first two years at Northeastern. And she claims uh, very openly that it was because she didn't have the worry of money. She could do different programs because she had money coming in. Money, by the way, from her own story. Right. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's so, incredible. so Dr. D, can you, um, I guess, now frame this in the light for these new dentists, these new grads, just graduating dental school, they got their degree, their mm -hmm. doctor, whoever, and why, why is this important to create the narrative for these new dentists as they go into the workplace? Well, I think it's, uh, you know, I have this guy, Dr. We, I don't know how he ended up. He's Dr. B and I'm Dr. D. And, you know, we, you know, he's my, he's my dentist at Arrowhead Dental. This guy's great. And he's down in Rhode Island, has an amazing practice um, right by this, the, the town of Narragansett. It's actually technically Charlestown. And the reason why I'm, I'm sharing that is because this is not, a, this is like a beach town and people travel everywhere to go there. Well, they travel everywhere because of the service, right? So if you're a new dentist and you know a place that, you know, is like this, you want to get that job because that's your workplace, that's your culture, right? And, and you know, the, what are the percentages, Seth, of people that go uh, dentists that, that just start their own practice right away? It's got to be really low, yeah. I would imagine, right? Zero to none, yeah. Yeah, zero to none. So, so why it's important is because you're going to tell your story to someone else. And, you know, if I'm, you know, Dr. B or one of the staff and I'm interviewing you, I'm going to want to know, like, so how are you going to fit in here? And that's an inside outside story. You know, I call it, you know, doing me search, right? It's the best kind of research, right? You need to know yourself. And, you know, because the book is as much of a guide as a book, it allows you to construct that story. So when you land in the interview and they look at your grades and all the other data that you put down, that you don't just say, well, you know, I really enjoyed, you know, the University of Rochester. And I appreciated being there. It's really good. It's cold in the winter, but you know, my brother was a dating a dentist and then like, this is like, put me to sleep stuff, right? This is boilerplate sort of like snooze fest. Mm -hmm. And it really doesn't honor the person who's telling the story either at all. Right. But we've been taught that you should be like everybody else and tell the same old humdrum story. So, so it, why it's important, you get one shot. You can't go back in and say, Hey, look, I, pardon me. I had this really great life moment. I want to read play my story? Can I jump in the batter's box and grab a bat and swing again? Like this is a business owner. They don't have time to listen to you over and over again. And they're a caregiver practitioner. They're actually caring for people, right? So when you come in, just like you go to an appointment while you're in dental school, when you do simulations and you know, really get into it, 
-hmm. you don't show up not ready. So do yourself a favor, do the hiring party a favor and use a system. You've used systems through your entire career to get to where you are. Using a system to explore your own life, find nine dots, nail it down to three, distill the story, follow the process. Any one of the recent graduates uh, listening to this is able to do it. This is a book for people who are leaders, self-leaders who want to make an impact. And communication is the only thing that they're going to be judging you on, by the way. Right. Like it's a big part of the deal because eventually you're going to be communicating to clients, patients, people, Mm -hmm. staff. And so if your story is unveiled there, then you get in, you get the job and then people honor you. And here's another unintended outcome. People start telling your story for you. And when they do that, your professional image is the one you want to author connected to the person that you are, right? Who you are, right? And so the modern worker wants meaning-making, number one, and self-expression. The book addresses both those bits, gets you the job you want if you work it, but you got to work the system, got to use a recorder on yourself a little bit, got to study yourself. It's like game tape for people in pro sports. They love to, they can't wait to look at what they did. They don't say, oh, I don't want to record myself. You know, a phone is one of the most underutilized devices that we have when it comes to evaluating our own performance. So, you know, part of my invitation to folks is answer the tell me about yourself question before you read the book. Read the book. It's not gigantic, but it's it's research based, but it doesn't feel that way. It feels like this conversation. Right. It's got a little bit of fun in it. It's got a little bit of, you know, tongue in cheek in it. It's got some real stories in it. And it's designed for you, the reader, not for me. I didn't do the book for me. It's not an ego book. I did it for others because I just couldn't watch it anymore. Too many good people don't get the shot at the job that they deserve. Right. So now when we're, so, that, so that's, um, I guess you could say employer, employee to employer, right? As a dentist mm-hmm. coach for the new job. Now, let's say that you're in your practice, you're wheeling and dealing, and now you need to start implementing marketing, right? You need to get some new patients and you need to, I guess, create the branding for yourself. So what are some, some good ways to kind of push this narrative in, out into your marketing, out to yeah. the patients? What, 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 a great, what a great way to do it, Seth. I mean, that's just because now you're living in an identity-driven way, right? You're leading in an identity-driven way. You don't just have the job. You own the practice. You lead the practice. You're a major player in the practice. You are, and the-, it's, you are the practice. Exactly. You are the practice. Absolutely. So now... How do you do that? Well, I have uh, somebody who recently did this out in the West, uh, Western part of the United States, where she left a very big organization and went out on her own. And all these branding companies were telling her what to do. You know, here's what you should do. You really need to be this way. You're this kind of persona. So she used the book and some private coaching to make sure that she was calling the shots on the very thing that you just asked me about. So if you're a mountain climber, you love to climb mountains, right? And you do that with your dad all the time. You should be, you should be putting that into, into the marketing campaign. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you believe in the Coast Guard is, a, is really cool and you've done Coast Guard auxiliary work all your life or came from you know, a Charlie Golf background, maybe you use some of the phraseology that, that brings out metaphors of, of good, safe boating, right? There are ways that you can take the very activities that you reference in your narrative 
and start to include them. Look, at the beginning of this podcast, we talked about jujitsu, you know, which I learned from a guy, David Borelli, and, you know, he was a federal agent who pulled me in years and years ago. And, uh, you know, Serge Boisseau, who taught my son judo, like all of these people have had an impact on my life. I use them as metaphors in my work all the time, because uh, this is really like linguistic jujitsu. How are you going to roll into and roll out of? I love jazz. So how do I use that in my, my branding, if you will, or my languaging as a teacher, as a professor, advisor, as a coach, a career coach? Well, like good exchanges should be like good jazz music. You should be able to come in as the, you know, as the, the trombonist and the pianist then takes over, but it's a, there's an ebb and flow. And that's what good storytelling is like. It, it can be used over and over again, refashioned and evolved based on new dots. The structure in the book is a map in a system. Um, well, I had one person on, on uh, I think it's on Google Books or on Goodreads, but she said it on LinkedIn. She's in Belgium. I, I just saw this today. This is, so this is interesting. Um, she has a, a psychology-based background and does a lot of career coaching. She said, I took the book and remapped in four days all of my stories, my own stories on my website by using the book's methodology. It's exactly what you're talking about. Like, why not own the, the, the ethos of the firm, right? Because the ethos, to your point, you are the practice. So own it, you know, own the whole thing. Use the metaphors that relate to your life and play it out. You'll feel a lot more alive at work. And when people are done listening to you and being engaged with you, whether you're interviewing them or whether they're patients or clients or vendors, they'll never forget you. And you'll be more energized in every interaction and that energy, look, look, I say this in the book and I'll say this now. You never walk away from a conversation with someone, even if it's not intentional story and say, I'm exactly neutral for having met Seth. <laughs> you either brought energy to the exchange or you sucked it away from me. Yeah. Right. And when you can let your identity, this is like, this is storytelling for self-liberation. It's not about caging your identity. It's about truly embodying it in every way that you can. So it's a longer answer, but remember, I'm a professor too. You get longer <laughs> answers. There you go. So Dr. D, when you're formulating your own story and everything, the, mm -hmm. the way you tell that story, would it, would it be dynamic where, let's say that I was the employer, I was the, the, the head dentist and the practice, the practice owner, and let's say Seth was the associate. Would the story I tell to Seth be different than the story I tell to a patient? And the, the way I formulate it to be able to connect to Seth as a, as a professional, you know, and as a colleague versus as a patient who yeah. I'm trying to provide a service to and connect on a different, you know, realm. Yeah, that's, that's really a good question, too. So now you're like in advanced storytelling. I love it. This is a good place to be. So where the presumption is that you have your core story, I call it your MVS, your minimum viable version of your story, right? You have it done. So you, you're, we call it your peak story. So this is why you're doing the thing that you're doing. Because remember, this is really important. You, if somebody is supposed to be doing the thing that they're doing, whether it's at a concert, be, you know, being a great actor, whatever it is, being a dentist, being a surgeon, being a professor, if you can see through the dots, the lived experiences that they usher in through, their, through the activation of their story, if they see, if you see, if I see, whether it's Maggie Rogers, whether it's, you know, it's Seth and you, whether it's me, whether if you see that this person's life experiences validate that they are at this spiraling up point of peak in their right where their ultimate value proposition is viewable understandable and sensible sense making relevant and prevalent then you want to give them money and you want them involved in your life okay so i just want to say that mm -hmm. okay now 
if you're saying this story to a colleague like Seth, you might say, hey, Seth, you know, I've done, or let's say Seth is saying it to you. Look, I've, I've done a lot of, this is what it might sound like. I've done a lot of training. How much training have we done in dental school? I mean, really? A lot. A lot. Like, like how many hours do you think? Do you think people um, realize how much this is? It's, I, I wake up and I'm just already in it, you know? So that's, <laughs> yeah. So I might, so like when I think about it, like just like see you're almost overwhelmed right so that's called a dialogical poke and that's how you contextualize a story first i want the other person saying stuff before i even before i'm seth so you might say exactly what seth said because he was jumping right in on the training right he was in role play already and i might say yeah man i gotta tell you so that again this is me at seth, as being seth as a colleague i've got to tell you you know i never knew that like eagle scout and boy scout stuff and all that stuff was training me for not giving up, right? For following codes and books, getting badges, getting little, little, like little, little wins along the way, man, I got to tell you, you know, that's a, it's an, it's an underserved thing to think that those moments in our lives, man, they get us ready for this kind of thing. So I might just feed in that story. I air it out a little bit. And then you, you, you kind of go, Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, and I might even say to you, so what do you think contributed to you? So now we now this this is very different because now it's colleague to colleague. So now I'm becoming more I'm closer to my colleague because I'm realizing that we both have had these heroic moments, collaborative moments, and this virtuous moment I call it in the book, which is where you say I really love being a dentist or I want to become a dentist. It's the right thing for me to do in my life, and I have the ability to do it, the capacity to to serve others. Right now, that's good because that's called uh, relational empathy in psychology. Um, it's called great teaming. It's called vulnerability in some cases, but what it's called is I want to be your teammate. I got your back, right? I will do what you need when you need it, because I know we're simpatico. It's resonance, man. And let me tell you something, boy, it feels good when somebody tells you these things, because now I know who I'm dealing with. It's not just this dude who likes to be a dentist who wants to make money and have some country club time, Right. I, I, I like or get a boat or whatever it is. This is a person who now I know their narrative. So think about it. I'm not stuck in why I should stand up, be with you, around you, you know, give my time to you. I'm already voting for you. So sometimes that vote, when it's colleague to colleague story or teammate to teammate, is that I'll stay with you longer in it, right? Um, I'll I'll serve up for you, right? Um, and that can make life really good, right? That can make life really good when you're in dental school or when you're in a practice. So, uh, you know, and so you let them, you air them out to answer your question. You air out the, the dots, you do a dialogical poke, you chill out. But now I know your story. Again, I feel like I'm Seth now, so it's really weird. And, <laughs> right, I feel like I'm a dentist, well, right. You know? <laughs> so, so, you know, it's, it, it, and, and, you, and you, you take your time because your energy doesn't have to be like in this, like used in this kind of like plastic way, like, hey man, I really care about you. Like we're in it together. Like that's all like, ugh, right? But like, I know exactly why you're doing it. Look, uh, yeah. and if you repeat the story, who cares? That's your story. That's your life. How yeah. many times have you heard Steve Jobs story? Right, right. I, I mean, come on. We've heard yeah. these stories over and over again of people who have done well and have ended up in that, that peak place. We're just learning how to use this method as an apparatus to relate better to others, to your point, to get the job, and maybe even to interview people. Think about how cool that would be, man, right? Yeah. You know, I, I get to interview somebody and tell my story. So now I get to see how they react to me as the hiring party. That's cool.
great you, application. You want stories to like, you know, enter, like, you know, you know, you want them to align and everything. So you could see if you have the same values, the same, I wouldn't say upbringing, but this, you know, you have core values and beliefs that match. So you could, it's like you said, simpatico in a practice. Yeah. Yeah, you, you got it when you did this thing with your hands. That's exactly what it is. Because if I say something, you know, if I'm Seth and I say, you know, the Boy Scout thing and the stay with it, and somebody's response to me on the on and I'm Seth interviewing somebody for the for the practice. And somebody says, Well, you know, to me that's a waste of time. You know, like I don't really I think that that's you know, that kind of thing is cool, but yeah, you know, like not for me. Now I might be Seth, I might say, Why do you think that why why not for you? Well, because, you know, it's really the, 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 and they'll give me to your point, man. You're like that, they might give me something that to me just says, wow, they don't really, there's, there's a clack here. There's no click. And I always say, that's a really cool part of this is that when you go story to story, you can feel people sort of either click or clack. And knowing that does exactly what you're doing with your hands. You, you say, okay, I appreciate your skills and whatnot, but I'm really interested in ensuring that there's a good culture fit. You know, we'll get back to you. You know, and, you know, if it's your money and you're hiring people and you think that the person isn't going to be, and this is not designed to be HR advice, but if you don't think that they're going to fit into your organization, they're not going to work the number of hours the way you want, follow systems, they're maybe too creative or exploratory, and they're not systems oriented, they don't stick to those things for long periods of time, well, you know, it's your right to say there's not a competency match here, right? And that's good. Right. So, Dr. D, exactly to your point, one of the things that we uh, teach and talk about to our listeners to help increase case acceptance where you present a case to your patient and they've got the choice either to get this crown root canal done or they're going to lose the tooth and you know they're uh, at a crossroads because they might not be able to afford it or various other reasons so one of the things that we talk about with our uh, listeners is we say try and find three things in common during the patient interview or during the case presentation you know just any it could be literally anything and like, like you're saying, click or clack and you, and you find out, you know? Yeah, I think that's a really another interesting experience that you already have where it's you and someone else, right? And this, this time in, in the, that particular example, it's the individual who is the patient. And in that case, you're just, you're leveraging your story. So in that application, it might be like, look, you know, I had to always look at what task am I going to do and what's the upside? Um, and, and so if I were, even as a kid, when I was doing, uh, before Eagle Scout, when I was doing ABC LMNOP, whatever it was, right. You know, we blows, um, you know, I, I thought of, you know, should I do this project? I mean, I know I have to do Pinewood Derby as a Cub Scout, but as a we blow, I could do this. And I would think, well, how much time is it? And what's the upside? And, you know, another guy who thinks that way is, um, upside downside is Joe DeSena, the CEO of Spartan. He, he uh-huh. has a great way of thinking that way. But you can, you can use that upside downside language, tag it to a story, and the person goes, oh, wow. Yeah, so what's the upside of you um, thinking that this is you know, going to cause you additional pain as a public school teacher? Um, a, B, 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 B. Oh, it's pretty high. Okay, so what, and it's high because, and the person says, well, because you know, I mean, I speak a lot, I eat a lot, I'm on the fly a lot. If this thing starts causing an issue, it'll take me out of work for a while. It'll, I'll have to make lesson plans for a sub. It'll, okay. So it sounds like this is a, there's no upside to delay. No, no, no upside at all. Okay. So you're asking me that to book it. 
Yeah, book it. Okay. Well, if you say so. Now, see what I did? That's jujitsu, right? And it's not manipulation. It's simply, it's simply good teaching. It's right. It might seem like it was a little clever, but if the person said it doesn't matter, I don't work. It doesn't matter. When I have a problem, I'll hit the panic button and I'll call you. Well, that's their decision. So I like the idea of of using your story parts to also again remember I'm always ushering in part of your real life that is connectable to other, right? Because storytelling needs an audience. So. Doctor D, I feel are you like, sure you're not a dentist? This is honestly, <laughs> well, he just embodied you, so yeah. <laughs> You just on that one in the situation with that teacher, you just threw the arm bar in, straighten the arm, hips up, tapped out. Oh <laughs> posture. It's all about posture, That's right? All it's all about posture. Oh my goodness. Oh, that man. is incredible. Yeah. Well, a, a lot of what you do is language, right? You you use language all day. I mean, people I think uh, underestimate the wonderful interpersonal skill development that great dentists um, do. Right. I mean, you, you really think of people and language and how to be in service. And sometimes people don't want to change. And you know that they should, because much like the young man who was three and a half feet tall at the beginning of our time together that was presented by Seth from his memory bank, um, you don't want to have that boy in pain. Well, it might not be that severe, but it might be pretty severe if someone says no to you. For the wrong reason so sometimes you just have to hang with them a little bit longer right definitely that makes sense insane like i and it, and it, it helps because we learn we go to school and we pay a lot of money to learn something very you know intricate there's a lot that goes into the mouth and everything the problems that it has and we we spend a lot of money my my dentist he's, he's been practicing 37 years now and I've, I've seen my entire life and he he said it best when i was starting dental school he sat me down and we had a drink together. He wished him the best of luck. And he said, you're going to spend a lot of money to learn very complicated language. And that's how he put it. And then he says, the hard part is learning the language, being too smart for your own good, and then having to dumb it down to a patient that doesn't understand the language and you'll lose touch with that. And he says, that's when you have to learn how to be human again and dial back so the patient understands what they need. And he says, that's how, he, that's how you make your money in dentistry is, is the patient connection, not the actual mm. dentistry. Because mm. if you connect with the patient and feel for the patient, the patient will trust you. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm in dental school, whatever. <laughs> you know, like it, you're, you're on that high of you got, you got in. That's the hardest part of dental school is getting mm -hmm. in. And then now that we're seeing patients and we're, we're, you know, we have that patient exposure rather than working on each other or working on, you know, the mannequins that we do. And when the, the patient talks back, you can see how hard it is to connect if you don't actively work on that. You know, like to explain to the patient, you have this problem and it needs to be fixed now first, like rather than later, it's harder to do because you have to evaluate the, the patient first. You know, I have one patient who's a professor who's much smarter than me in all aspects, like much wiser, much older. Then I have other people like, like you know, you have your peds patients that are eight, nine years old, and they don't understand why they're in pain and why they need this. And you have to be able to relate to both ends of the spectrum, you know? Yeah. And the way you put this, honestly, makes it 10 times easier to connect to both sides of that spectrum that I just oh, described. Awesome. I mean, I, you're teaching oh. me now where, where it can be useful. And, you know, that's, that's, that's the really probably one of the best gifts mm -hmm. uh, that I'm seeing that this can be for both where, you know, where I present the content and where it gets applied, right? We both win, right? I know this bit, you know your bit, but it's in that translation, right? That allows you to do the real work that you wanna be doing, which is making those smiles and, and ensuring people have, you know, proper oral hygiene. 
in a world that doesn't necessarily think about it in a deep way like you, the two of you do? Mm -hmm. I mean, we just, we're very passionate about what we do. The same way you, like that's, I feel like that's how we immediately connected. You know, yeah. two of us, yeah. we, like we sat down. I mean, we bonded over the jujitsu. That was the first thing we talked about. You bond over three things. And then we see how passionate we are about our individual crafts. You know, oh, yeah. the way yeah. you wrote a book, like, and, and you care so much to share your knowledge to everybody is the same way we like we do a podcast, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. And I was really struck by the work you're doing because it, it's just saying that I, I want, you know, I, I, I want to share what I know, right? So you're, you know, part of what you do is you teach right? As a dentist, a good dentist is a good teacher, is a mentor, is a leader, right? I mean, you can use those words synonymously, really. Uh, Tony Dungy talks about being a, a mentor leader a lot. And Tony's uh, such a great guy. I had the pleasure in my work with the Sports Mind Institute uh, of interviewing him and building his leadership class for all pro dads. And, you know, we spent, uh, we spent time together on two separate occasions. One time we were just like, it was like all day. And, you know, you know, really being a good, a good teacher, a good coach is, is synonymous with being a good leader, right? It really is. You know, I talk about sometimes how Warren Bennis, who's a psychologist, uh, no longer with us, he was at USC leadership guy. And he was one of the founders of my grad school uh, in uh, California um, as well. He, Warren Bennis said, uh, becoming a leader is synonymous with becoming yourself. It's precisely that simple yet also that difficult. And I think becoming a meeting, the two of you, I think becoming a really great dentist is synonymous with becoming yourself, right? It's precisely that simple, but also that difficult. And that's what I think that the three of us have contributed to in, in this connection that, you know, use these tools that I have in the book so you can be yourself at work and you'll probably do the work that you were trained to do technically all those big words and language and processes around the dental work that you do and learned about and still um, are probably grappling with here and there for fun, um, that, that's, that allows you to do the work and to do it well. So I think there's a real connection there. Awesome, awesome. And so Dr. D, I'm sorry, I just, this is like, I, I want the book. For <laughs> <laughs> office, I'm going to Amazon, I'm gonna order that book. Cool. But so, so, I mean, we connect with everyone all day, whether it's big or small, you you form you know some connections with others stronger than you know you would with somebody else. How do you when you find somebody that's particularly difficult to connect with? Mm. How do you like what strategies do you go about to really connect with them to share your story and try to pick out the little bits, even if your stories don't align? Mm -hmm. How do you pick out the little bits in their stories to where you can at least make that connection? You know, well, for yourself. Yeah, that's a great one. So the first bit is always audience analysis. Okay, I look in the book presents these eight different competencies Is somebody more of an explorer, a leader, a listener um, it talks with listening is really receptivity, which is the opposite of leadership. I look at people's behavior. And in, again, the book is a good resource reference resource for this. And I start to wonder, like, how is this person going to be? So I'll, I'll give you an example. I had a person who was uh, had low receptivity, so they didn't listen. I could see that he didn't listen to other people. I was brought in to do work with this particular group and he had high leadership. So he, leadership is synonymous with influence, right? So, so you don't listen and you lead, it's heavy. And he communicated proactively. So you're filling the space with words, you're influencing everything and you're not listening. See how the two of you are just listening and absorbing? You're doing the counterbalance to leadership. 
They're complementary opposite psychological traits. So that's what I what you want when someone is speaking. But you're also so this guy went like hog wild. He started being really strong with his colleagues, you know. And I said, well, I'm going to have to hit him a little bit sideways. And so I'm going to have to be a little bit strong. So what strong thing do I have in my life? Look, when I, they, they said I broke my neck when I was racing motocross, but it was technically a cervical sprain. I was young. I was, it was just before I went to high school and I had been racing on Wednesdays, Wednesdays, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So I, I raced four days a week throughout the mid uh, Northeast. And so I got his attention. And when I, which was very different than when I worked um, at Brookhaven National Laboratory uh, when I was 16. These are two very different worlds, but I was with folks who were very smart, top SAT scores. I mean, perfect SAT scores. And this was part of a national energy program to work in a, you know, in, in an elite area with other physics guys and gals and people and humans, right? Smart people. So the guy's looking at me kind of like, what the heck? But I realized something there's more complicated than physics even, or winning at bicycle motocross. That's uh, people at work. And he just looked at me and was like, ain't that the truth? And so I had to go kind of hard with my story, not, not dialogical, not sweet. And, and he's like, so, so you raced motocross? I said, yeah, I can still do a bunny hop. I can jump over the split rail fence in my yard. My right knee's a little sore once in a while. I'm 50 now, you know, now actually I'm 51 now. And, you know, he, he was fascinated. So I looked at him and I realized I had to be a little strong. Sometimes I might tell a story that's a little bit stronger based on what I see in the person. Um, I, I love working with police officers and I do a, a bit for the top cops throughout the Northeastern part of the United States, part of the New England Chiefs of Police a program for their uh, top cops. And it's a leadership day. And so I start with a strong story because quite frankly, I'm not a cop. I've never been a cop. You know, my dad and my uncle and my great uncle and my grandfather all have policing backgrounds. The head of the marshals program, US marshals program shared a back fence with me, his family and my family. But I have to come in strong with the story because it's the only way I can wake people up. So typically with people who don't listen, I call it a wake up version of your story. You pick a dot that's strong, a dot that that audience will be like, whoa, that's really interesting. Not what I expected from you in the bow tie professor, you know, well, look, don't be fooled by the bow tie. So, you know, and they start laughing and then I'm able to, to have a relationship. So when it's somebody difficult, it calls for creativity. That's the quick answer, right? And creativity means you have to, First, understand what the context is, what the audience wants, and then you have to know your blue dots like the back of your hand. And that's why when you have nine from the book, even though you have your core go-to three, you might have a, a substitution opportunity like I just did, right? And uh, when you can come in strong like that, it's cool. I mean, I walked out a professional, a guy who, who fought you know, professionally, uh, who was trained by the first UFC coach, Mark De La Grada, a guy named Mike Campbell. You know, I walked him out in uh, an MMA match, right? Now, I don't tell people that as a startup story in school because it sounds like I'm a professional fighter or coach to fighters. That's not, that would be strong, right? In a mixed audience. But if I'm working with a bunch of police officers, I might talk about my experiences 
that are formative, right? Blue dot like, uh, and that gets them to realize I'm not that different than them, right? But I don't say, oh, you're a cop. I know cops too, because that's just weird, right? I mean, you know, you know, look at you're a dentist or you want to be a dentist. I, I know a dentist too. Like, that's odd. Like, this is like not Dale Carnegie stuff from, you know, 50 years ago, plus, 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 as much as he was, uh, Carnegie was wonderful. The, the world is different now. Yeah, as you know, even Netflix and Amazon movies have multiple plot lines. They're using different ways to, to present story. It's not just the protagonist having a problem and then overcoming it. We think differently now. We track multiple storylines in a movie now. Our attention spans different now, and we have more choice now. So if you're working with somebody who has all of this distraction and all of these digital digressions, you need to get your game on. And the game requires your storytelling muscle to be in play all the time or else it fatigues and it goes latent. So that's why I think the book is really cool too, because it's a call to go to the gym again, the story gym, right? And get things going again. Yeah. Dr. D, I mean, now that you said it, you, this could be the next uh, Carnegie book. I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I, I can't wait for you guys to, you know, maybe we'll even do an encore at some point, you know, because uh, I mean, I appreciate the conversation, you, you know, you, you two show up ready to, to be learner leaders and teachers, you know, and uh, you know, those are great qualities in a human being and uh, undoubtedly you're going to have great success in your careers and, and this service, I hope you keep doing this for the community because uh, I think it's a, it's a wildly successful podcast that has great reach and application of people's lives. Thank you so Thank much you for so saying much. that. We really appreciate that. And yeah, you know, it's funny you talk about that because like being listeners, it's hard. Like initially it was hard for us. We had to adapt because you start a podcast and then you think, okay, I'm going to talk all the time. You know, it's like I, we get on and then we talk and people listen to us, you know, but then when you start, when you have a guest and then you start conducting interviews, you ask questions and you hear a different perspective and then you end up doing a lot more listening than you do speaking once you start doing that and the amount you learn when you do that you know like a lot of times i'll sit here and i'll be like i don't want to talk as much because i want to absorb as much as our guests can say and as much as they can get out in a time frame you know it's that that's that's what we we love doing now because you learn so much by listening see and and also you're doing it right like you're you're doing this thing that you're explaining and you've done it over and over again. So you're remapping sort of neural pathways to be different in relationship to your patients too. So this is a, an, an amazing added exercise for you. And, and so, yeah, I, I mean, I can totally see the connection. That's awesome. Dr. D, you've got to be one of the most interesting people we've interviewed on the podcast, <laughs> hands down. Um, can you tell our listeners where to get your new book and all of your contact information? Yeah, absolutely. So the website, the main website is drdennisrebello.com. That's D-R-D-E-N-N-I-S-R-E-B-E-L-O. So it's rebel with an O, one L.com. And uh, you can, when you get to the website, there's a button there to get the book, throws you to Amazon automatically, very easy. Or you could just go uh, to Amazon and, you know, Google slash search, use their search bar, uh, story like you mean it, Dr. Dennis Rebello, and that's great too. But the website also has quite a few other bits and pieces, including a free uh, book guide. So if you want to start a book club and you're getting ready for interviews, um, we're finding that's been really uh, a hot item. 
we get to see, we don't ask for a lot of information. You'll, you just tell us where, you're, where, you're, where you are and your email information. We just want to know where the book club is. Uh, and then you immediately can download it. So listeners, if you're looking to do this with others, uh, great opportunity there. Our first book club was at the Cleveland Clinic, actually. Uh, they were the first to download. So another health system uh, type of caregiver, right? Um, and uh, we had one the other night in New Zealand. So people are downloading uh, in all kinds of areas. So I think that would be a great tool. So drdennisrebello.com. Awesome. Love it. All right, Dr. D. You're the man. Thanks for joining us tonight. And, and remember, story like you mean it, brother. Story like you mean it. Absolutely. Thanks, Dr. D. You bet. All right, guys. That'll do it for an interview with Dr. Dennis Rebello. He's the creator of the Peak Storytelling Model. He killed it. We really enjoyed having him on. It was incredible how he embodied Seth, became Seth, and told Seth's story from his perspective. Truly, truly incredible stuff. Really enjoyed hearing about it. I can't wait to use this as I treat patients. And progress through my career because this stuff is what you need to be successful and to really relate to patients and other people throughout your life. So as always, check, uh, follow us on Instagram at dental.student.vibes. Make sure you guys give us a like, comment, review. Let us know what you guys think and always vibe on.